Why, hello and a howdy, we're so very glad to see you Cause we're getting kinda rowdy and we've got a lot to say And we're gonna try and do our very best to entertain you And we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away That's pretty exciting, right Omega? Indeed! Yeah, right. HIAC Talk Radio is always exciting. You will deal with that Atlas harshly. I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hello, gentlemen and ladies. Jesus. We're back. Sorry to surprise you like this. Yes, surprising look at going back to the past. It's always shocking when you realize how far we've come as professional wrestling fans. And I'm about to impart that to you right now. Because I, me, was uh, from a show not that many years ago where uh, the stadium was filled with wrestling fans, which now only seems to occur once a year when there is a big event. But back in the day, kids, there were big events that happened quite frequently. And we're going to explore one of those events in the one week in wrestling history that occurred uh, in 1980. And we're going to talk about that in gratuitous terms of attendance and numbers and wrestling action. See how far we've come as professional wrestling fans as we go back in the Wayback Machine uh, for an exclusive week in professional wrestling history. This, gentlemen and ladies, is the wrestling historian. Uh, join me, uh, joining me, of course, in a trip down the path as we walk hand in hand back into the lore of professional wrestling uh, is Dan Calachico, president of the Arcade Fire Fan Club. And we are going to look back at a special week, Dan, in August of 1980. Uh, August of 1980 uh, was an incredible week of the first week from August 2nd to August 9th. Three tremendous wrestling cards took place uh, within seven days. And that set record and just let everyone and just you could see the incredible popularity of professional wrestling. So much so that it was glorified on the cover of the wrestler magazine uh, because all these great uh, shows took place in one week. I, th- I think I sent you the picture of um, the, the cover that graced the, uh, it was on the cover with Dusty Rhodes and Harley Race in the main event of one of the cards, but the other card was, took place in Shea Stadium, and a third card took place in the Superdome, all within a week. And we're going to take a look at each one of these shows right now, starting with August 2nd, 1980, in the Superdome. Yeah, uh, I got to go through the whole card, but one of the feature matches was Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. That's right. Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. When both wrestlers wrestled for the WWF. But here they were on a Mid-South card in the Superdome, August 2nd, 1980. Uh, one of the other semi-main events was Dusty Rhodes teaming up with Colonel Buck Robley going up against Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts, two-thirds of the Freebirds. And the main event, August 2nd, 1980, at the Superdome, was a blinded 
junkyard dog going up against the man who blinded them, one third of the Freebirds, the Manson-like leader, Michael Hayes. In a steel cage match, which was not only, which would have been, been enough, and by God, don't you think it ought to be, but because Junkyard Dog was blind, he was attached to Michael Hayes with a dog collar. So that, August 2nd, 1980, kids, was the very first dog collar match. Forget what you heard about Starcade 83, Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine. That would happen three years later. The very first dog collar match took place August 2nd, 1980. Now, who are you to tell me that Roddy Piper was wrong, wrestling historian? Uh, facts. Oh. Random, <laughs> random angry wrestling random fan. Random angry wrestling We're going to call him Derek. <laughs> Whenever you hear that voice, it's Derek. Um, okay. How are you going to tell me that, uh, that, that, that it wasn't Star KD3, Craig? Because uh, it wasn't, Derek. Oh. Uh, the first dog collar match took place August 2nd, 1980 for context to, to uh, how this got to the Superdome, the main event of the Superdome uh, was Junkyard Dog was beginning his epic run in the Mid-South thanks to Bill Watts. And uh, earlier that summer, uh, he was, Junkyard Dog was blinded by the Freebirds. That son of a bitches. Yes. And Junkyard Dog uh, was uh, shown in interviews with his Face covered in patches he couldn't see, told the story coherently, un unlike the junkyard dog you may remember in the WWF well. later. Uh, but he talked in very sincere terms about him being blind and him not being able to see his his baby daughter who had just been born legitimately. And it was such an outpouring of love from the fans. That junkyard dog was receiving upwards of five hundred dollars a week from fans sending him money because they felt so bad for junkyard dog being blind. Okay, that was how you book back then a a, a blind angle. Junkyard dog wasn't seen on television, wasn't seen in the neighborhood. Um, told to stay out of sight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. See what I did there. But nah. Freebirds free would go on TV and, and crow about what they did to Junkyard Dog, putting him out to pasture. As I say, and Junkyard Dog, again, like will, will be receiving money from fans that were, that's how popular and over and how beloved Junkyard Dog was. Well, in July, at the Municipal Auditorium in New Orleans, uh, Colonel Buck Roby and, and Mike George, the former Mid-South Tag Team Champions, were going up against the Freebirds. And Junkyard Dog would be led down to the ring uh, by security and have a seat at ringside to keep uh, just so he could feel the crowd because he wanted to see the Freebirds get theirs by Buck Robley and Mike George. Well, the Freebirds wound up cheating because there were three of them and only two of Colonel Buck Robley and Mike George. So while they were down and Junkyard Dog was sitting at ringside blind. And then Michael Hayes, with a simple gesture, looked at the crowd booing and wanting to rip their guts out, pointed over a junkyard dog, just like that. And the crowd went nuts because Michael went like that because the faces were in the ring laying. And Terry Gordy, Michael Hayes, and Buddy Roberts all were looking at junkyard dog. And 
junkyard dog, to his credit, just started looking around. And with the fans in a fever pitch because they started towards the Freebird, started towards junkyard dog, a fan jumped out of the audience, walked over the string that was keeping the fans from the, the ring. There's your first problem. Second problem was pulled out a gun, a loaded gun, and said to, to dog, I got him, dog. <laughs> Which put junkyard dog on the in the unenviable position of what do I do? It was like the old Jack Benny. Let joke. him get shot. Yeah. <laughs> it was like the old Jack Benny joke, uh, your money or your life. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Because he could subdue the guy easily, but then everyone would know that he wasn't blind and that would kill the territory. Or he could not do anything and pretend to be blind and have one or all the free birds get shot, which would also kill the territory and probably the free birds. Fortunately, Dog didn't have to make that decision because the cop security was right there to grab the guy before <laughs> a shot was fired. But that shows you how not only how over Dog was, how hated the Freebirds were, but how professional wrestling in 1980 was real to some people. So that match and uh, the almost gunplay involving the Junkyard Dog set up the Superdome card August 2nd, 1980, because the Freebirds had, take, had taken out Mike George, Buck Robley's partner. So Colonel Buck Robley to get back at the Freebird, would call the baddest man he knew, and that was Dusty Rhodes. Hell yeah. Dusty, Dusty Rhodes came in the team with Bur Colonel Buck Robley to go up against Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts because Michael Hayes was being saved for Junkyard Dog because Michael Hayes was the one who blinded Junkyard Dog. Michael Hayes was the one who took the most pride in it. Michael Hayes is the reason I can't see my baby girl. So I'm going to have a cage match with Michael Hayes, but Make sure he can't run from it because, you know, he's a yellow dog. I, the dog, am going to bring my own dog collar. I bring it to the ring every time. But now, Michael Hayes, you're going to be attached to the other side of this dog collar. So you can't run and you can't hide because I'm going to find you. And uh, that, hey, match, Collins. <laughs> that match, the main event at the Superdome, August 2nd, 1980, drew 28,000 fans. And had a gate of $183,000 in 1980. <laughs> it was August 2nd. The very next day, Dan, August 3rd, 1980, in Tampa Stadium. Calling it the last tangle in Tampa. Because Dusty Rhodes had sworn to himself that he was never going to wrestle for the NWA Championship again until he beat Harley Race. And this would be the last time. So it was set up in Tampa Stadium. The main event, Dusty Rhodes going against going for the NWA Heavyweight Championship, a title that he only he had only held for five days at this point against Harley Race. And the two out of three fall match with a 60-minute time limit. Also on that card, one of the other main events, Andre the Giant versus Ernie Ladd. Battle of the Giants. And this was one of Dusty's first booking events, Dan. He had just started taking over the book in Florida, and he wanted to put on an event that would get a lot of people into a big spot. He booked Tampa Stadium, 
and uh, he wanted to get 20,000, came just short, but he had 18,000 or 17,553. A lot of people got in free, so we don't know how what the final total was, but we're going to say 18,000. But he was really nervous about this because he didn't know how it would go. But this bout, the last tangle in Tampa, was how we got the idea for Starcade. Just have a big match and bring a lot of talent in. Like, again, he brought in Andre and Ernie Ladd, two guys that didn't even wrestle there, to be at a, a semi-main event. And in the main event, Dusty Rose went a two out of three fall match with Harley Race. Dusty Rose won the first fall, and the rest of the bout went to time limit draw. So Dusty Rhodes won because he defeated Harley Race, but because he didn't beat Harley Race twice, he did not win the NWA championship. And that Tampa Stadium about had 17,553 people, and the gate was $160,000 for that. Then not less than six days later, up north, showdown at Shea, Shea Stadium. The culmination of the feud between Bruno Sammartino and the recently turned heel former protege, Larry Zabisco. Larry Zabisco had turned on his mentor, his father figure, Bruno Sammartino, in a televised match that Zabisco wanted because he wanted to prove that he was better than Bruno. Uh, Larry Zabisco had just come back to the WWF at the beginning of 1980, and uh, he'd always been a, a one of the great WWF underneath baby faces. He and Tony Gurria had been tag team champions and Larry Zbysko himself even got a shot at then world heavyweight champion, superstar Billy Graham at the spectrum that I got to see sold out, but everyone rooting for Larry Zbysko. Well, good for you. No, <laughs> but Larry had always jealous. Been, yes. Envious. Don't be jealous. Uh, so when Larry oh. came <laughs> Okay. So Larry came back as a babyface. He started winning his TV matches, and Bruno at this time was a color commentator. And when Bruno went to go get a, a word with Larry after the match, Larry would just ignore him, just walk away. And this happened two weeks in a row. Finally, Vince McMahon said, "Bruno, I'll save you. I'll from the embarrassment of him walking away. I'll interview Larry after his latest win." And Larry said, "I'm just tired of being in Bruno's shadow. You know, it's." been so long and people still consider me you know Bruno's protege and I want to be my own man so I want to challenge Bruno to a match and just him and me and I just need to I just need this for me and Bruno said no I don't want to wrestle you Larry and Larry said Bruno if you could just do this for me I just need this for me I need to step out from under your shadow and let's just have a match and Bruno reluctantly agreed so Bruno put the tights back on first time he had been back in the ring since he retired because, uh, you know, he lost the, uh, the, the championship to Superstar Billy Graham three years earlier. He was had the yellow jacket on. He was a commentator, had a perm uh, with uh, Vince McMahon. So he put the tights back on at the Hamburg Fieldhouse to have a TV match with Larry Zabisco. And it was going fine. Uh, but Bruno was kind of going easy on him. He uh, had Larry down for an um, uh, arm drag and had pressure on him, but let him up. Uh, Larry had uh, Bruno in a spinning toe hold, and Bruno used his other foot and tripped Larry out, move that I had never saw before. And see, Larry's getting frustrated. They were running the ropes, and uh, Larry came off the ropes, and Bruno put him in the patented Bruno bear hug, and he let it go. 
because he didn't want to hurt Larry. And then... God knows they, years later, we all wanted to hurt Larry. <laughs> he had Bruno in a hammerlock, and Bruno was trying to go around and go around, and, they were, and he inadvertently knocked Larry Zabisco out of the ring. And uh, you can see the, the frustration on Larry's face, and Bruno held the, door, held the ropes open for Larry to come back in. And that just incensed Larry Zabisco to the point that he climbed back in the ring, he kicked Bruno low and attacked Bruno. And Vince McMahon, I can't believe what's happening here. And it was not enough to beat Bruno, to beat up Bruno, which no one saw coming. But then Larry left the ring, went out, got one of those wooden folding chairs, and hit Bruno over the head with it three times. Very hard shot. And that's what set the stage. Larry Zabisco was a full-on heel. He even defeated his former tag team championship partner, Tony Gurria. Uh, he'd beaten Ivan Putski. He was beating these longtime WWF faces. Finally, you wanted Bruno and to settle it once and for all. And it would be at the showdown at Shea, a steel cage match in Shea Stadium. And now Shea Stadium was not like the Superdome where you can have fans that close to ringside. Shea Stadium, the, the, the ring was on second base. And the crowd was hundreds of yards away. Um, so it was a long walk from the dugout to the ring. But in that, in that steel cage match, Bruno came out the winner. Also, one of the feature matches, uh, Bob Backlund, the WWF heavyweight champion at the time, teamed up with Pedro Morales, the former WWF heavyweight champion. Uh, ironically enough, Pedro and Bruno headlined the first wrestling match at Shea Stadium when they were the main event, when Pedro was champion and Bruno was a challenger. But Bob Backlund, the WWF champion, and Pedro Morales defeated the Samoans for the World Tag Team Championship. So Bob Backlund was a double title holder. And the other feature match on that card, Dan, August 9, 1980, Andre the Giant versus Hulk Hogan. Hmm. So, so for the Starting second to time... See a pattern here. For the second time in a week, Andre faced Hogan. And for the third time in those three matches, Andre was again one of the featured matches hmm. um, against Ernie Ladd in uh, Tampa and twice against Hulk Hogan in the Superdome and Hulk Hogan at Shea Stadium. And in both of those matches against Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant was body slammed. So Wait, you mean it's that? Wait. Yes, right, Derek. Mm-hmm. When Andre. Oh, yeah. Out. What? No, the first time it happened was WrestleMania. Sorry, it wasn't. Um, well, how do you know? Uh, facts. And oh. There is actual video proof. And oh. if you really want to get with it, Derek, later on that month, uh, when Andre wrestled Hogan right here at the beautiful air-conditioned Philadelphia Spectrum, Hogan body slammed Andre again. What? Yeah. Seven years before it actually happened. Um, Wait, call that guy Bill, not Derek. Okay, Bill. Bill. Yeah, because we like Derek. Derek McDonald. Yeah, Derek's all right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Derek McDonald. Yeah, call him Bill. Yeah, okay, Bill. It, 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 either way, I imagined a very white, lanky Derek. So. <laughs> well, that match is Shea This is a very Stadium. fat Bill. <laughs> Showdown at Shea. Did 36,295 fans. And it set a North American box office record for professional wrestling. Ooh. $537,400. A cha-ching! 
that record would stand for another four years before it was broken by Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich at Texas Stadium. They did uh, 44000 there. But yeah, for that, met it's $537,000 gate. 30, he had 36295 paid, but 40,000 people there all together. Uh, but all, to, all told, uh, those three cards that took place within one week in 1980 uh, were seen by almost 82,000 fans and it grossed about 100, it grossed $880,000. I got out my little inflation calculator, Dan. Oh, yeah. The Superdome card in August 2nd, 1980 drew uh, 28,000 fans and they paid, had a $183,000 gate. Uh, by today's standards, that would be a $603,000 gate. Uh, Tampa Stadium, uh, Dusty Roads, Book show, Dusty on top, did 17,553 fans and had a gate of 160,000. Uh, by today's standard, that'd be a $527,000 gate. The, the Chase Stadium uh, show, they did uh, 36,295. Uh, the gate was uh, $537,000. That would be a $1,800,000 gate in today's standard. Ah, and those three shows that happened uh, that week in 1980, if they had been held today, those three shows combined would have grossed $3 million in box office revenue. You know what? They, you know what? My takeaway from all this is don't raise the minimum wage. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, and the only other thing that happened, uh, Politic. this, politics, 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 uh, <laughs> politics, grammar, grammar. <laughs> Why use big words when small do fine. Uh, the other thing that happened, uh, this date, uh, August 10th, 1977, the Fort Hesterly Armory in Tampa. Huge oh, show, four hundred thousand people there. <laughs> no, maybe, <laughs> maybe about, uh, maybe about four thousand, maybe about three thousand at the uh, Fort Hesterly Armory. Anyway, the opening bout at that particular card uh, at the Fort Hesterly Armory, August tenth, nineteen seventy-seven. Excuse me. Um, you turn oh, the, the page of the electronic page. <laughs> now the main event was Don Morocco versus Ivan Koloff. August 10, 1977, but the opening bout was Brian Blair versus Terry Bollea. Let's analyze this for a second. Yeah. Because you showed this to me. I did. You showed me the pictures, and I went through the other pictures. I was like, wow, look at those cards. And you were like, did you see the thing on the last card? I was like, no. You're like, it's Hulk Hogan's debut. That's how the Terry Bollea doesn't exist anymore in life. And, and you know how I feel about Hulk Hogan pre shit. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> It's like, holy Jesus, that was, that's the match, huh? And yeah, Brian yeah. Blair, who became a killer bee. Yes, be Brian Blair. So those yeah. are like names, man. It's not just Jobber 1 versus Jobber 2. It's a killer bee versus a Hulkamaniac. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but Dan just said the opening bout on that card at the Fort Myers, sorry, the Fort Myers National Guard Armory in Florida. Uh, August 10th, 1977, the opening bout was Brian Blair versus Terry Bollea. That would be the 
wrestling debut of Hulk Hogan. Amazing. And just like that, three years, almost exactly three years later, he's body slamming Andre the Giant on not one, but two wrestling cards. Six drew, years later, Craig. That drew, uh, that was three years. No, I'm. I mean, yeah, I'm telling you, it'll actually be 10 years. Ten, you're 10 years, 10 years idiot. You got 70, it wrong. Oh. From, <laughs> from 77 to 87, Bill, but three years after oh. his, his wrestling debut. Uh, Hulk Hogan was main eventing against Andre the Giant and performing at the Superdome and at Shea Stadium in excess of in front of 60,000 people in three years. I was just I was thinking about that in my chronological view. I'm in 1992 and in two years, the whole world of WCW is going to come crashing down on Dan. (laughs) 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 Sorry. And the last thing that happened in this year, uh, uh, on this day in professional wrestling, uh, August 11th, as we tape this, um, uh, Hulk Hogan was born 68 years ago. Oh, so, good. Well, whoop de do. There you go. Well, whoop de damn do. And that's it. No, no, do the closing, do the closing part. <laughs> and Sorry. That, gentlemen and ladies, is a wrestling historian. It's a shame that. I am such a terrible, terrible, curmudgeon curmudgeon, curmudgeon, poopy head Mm-mm. that I just think negative thoughts when I hear that name. I'm so sorry. It must have been something I did. <laughs> no, and, you know, we were we talked about Hulk Hogan uh, quite a bit uh, on this very podcast, you know. And we've bashed him for good reason. And um, he's bashed not, others for I, good reasons. I will, and he's bashed others for, good, for not so good reasons. And yeah. uh, my problems with Hogan are more for his, his character and his less than stellar work in the ring after 1986. I just love that. This is an endorsement from you're an African American. You're like, no, it's the other shit that bothers me. And that's the point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, him him being a, a racist is just I don't need a, more reason. Uh, I don't need him. another reason to hate him. Hate <laughs> so I that's why I just skip over that. So I, hey. I, I I was he was already you know. Listen, we cannot deny the impact that Hulk Hogan no. had on professional wrestling. Legitimately, would be in a different spot if he yeah. wasn't involved. We could debate who'd be on the main event. We all know Ric Flair was a better wrestler yeah. with his yeah. eyes closed. And half asleep. We know and Hogan, this. And Hogan knows that too. And that Hogan is. knows it too. That's why sometimes he doesn't sleep at night. But yeah. but wrestling literally changed. And yes, we know that without Roddy and without Mr. Wonderful, it also changes. But without that third component, that is Hulk Hogan. It that's the way it is. That yeah. is the and that's the way, the it, way is. it is. Uh and, and I've mentioned Hulk Hulk Hogan is a game changer and uh, other game changers on my list of Mount Rushmore game changers were the greatest guys in the world. Buddy Rogers was an incredible prick, but he also changed the game. Um, and that's undeniable. And I will never uh, question anyone's love for Hulk Hogan if you grew up watching Hulk Hogan and who didn't, um, yeah. and especially in today's day and age, and you bought the stuff and that's what you were, that, that was the whole plan. That was the idea. You're supposed to buy all that. Hulk Hogan stuff and to to train and say your prayers and eat your vitamins because that's what he preached. But uh, because I was older when this happened and I remember the Hulk Hogan that body slammed Andre the Giant in 1980 and couldn't beat Tony Atlas in the spectrum 
and was just a big lumbering oaf, but had a lot of speed and a lot of, you know, had a great look and had Fred Blassie talking for him. That's the Hulk Hogan I remember. But the Hulk Hogan that went to Japan and found himself and the Hulk Hogan that worked in the in uh, early 1982 and late 1983 in the AWA, who was almost like him and Terry Gordy were the quickest 300 pound guys in the business. Uh, Hogan was no joke. And the Eye of the Tiger watching him on. I saw him on the Johnny Carson show. After Rocky three came out because I was so proud of him because I knew this guy. He was being introduced to a worldwide audience and I already knew who he was. So he was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. The only other wrestler had been on Tonight Show was Andre. That was it. Bruno was never on. Buddy Rogers is on the Steve Allen show, but he, he was never on with Johnny Carson. But Hogan, a wrestler on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, huge. And he was he wrestled in the AWA. This he was not on the WWF at the time. So I was proud of Hulk Hogan. And even when he came back to the WWF with Eye of the Tiger as his entrance theme. Nothing better. Nothing made me pop more. And I was 18 at the time. Okay. Not a kid. Not, oh my God, it's Hogan. I was like a jaded 18 year old zit covered teenager who wanted, you know, good wrestling. And not this crap. Yeah. I was, I was full NWA altogether. No one could tell me any different. Correct. But um, Hogan changed the game. And uh, it's, there's no denying it's a cover of Sports Illustrated. No other wrestler outside of Danny Hodge, no other wrestler had ever been on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Uh, so that's a big deal. And for all he's done in wrestling, and for unfortunately all, all he's done to wrestling, and we've even talked about this on the very on this very podcast a couple of weeks ago, 25 years ago, he changed the game again. Bash at the Beach, 1996. For everyone who hated Hulk Hogan for most of their lives growing up, now he was being cheered. Now he was being cheered. Now, bad Hulk Hogan was once again the biggest thing in wrestling. This guy, yeah, I, I hated him coming in. Yeah, I hated. This is eleven years old. I'm eleven years old. I'm like, but Sting is the guy. It's Sting, and then fucking Hogan comes in like, what? Ah, He's the other, he's the boring guy from that bad place. And then two years later, oh, well, hmm. too sweet. Well, 68 years ago today, August 11th, Terry Balea was born. You know who was also born years ago yesterday? You. I thought you were going to say Antonio Banderas. Because well, yeah, fuck him, you're better, better looking. <laughs> you're all, you're my vampire, Armand. Thank you. I'm your desperado. You're my desperado. Thank you. You're my puss in boots. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Anytime. birthday, Craig. Uh, thank you, sir. Whoa. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's been an honor to uh, to uh, share the stage with you, share the mic with you, and to have your friendship for uh, the past 13 years. Um, I really sincerely appreciate it. Did you it. think years ago when a strange pale white person <laughs> stopped you in the alley in the middle of Philadelphia? That, like what, again? That, uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Another, another cracker. <laughs> another cracker in an alley. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just replay that in my mind. I'm like, how did I not get shot or punched? 
just hey yeah. <laughs> and you're you got women arm in arm yeah and immediately yeah, I, was, I was like my manly handshaking zeus i was this way i was on it i was on a date with amber's mom that night well, okay yeah. yeah all right nice yeah. wow <laughs> no yes and now we have amber and our love child is still here so no, that union still goes on. But yeah, uh, yesterday was my birthday. Uh, it was a, a great day. I uh, thank you to everyone who wished me happy birthday yesterday. Thank you with everyone who's been in my life um, up to this point. Um, I wake up uh, once a year uh, on the August 10th and I immediately play Joe Walsh. Life's been good to me so far because if I can play that song. And that means that life has been good to me so far, no matter where I am, no matter where I've been. Uh, the fact that I can still play that song and I'm able to hear it and see it and experience it is good. So uh, life's been good so far. And thank you for uh, being a part of it, everyone. I try. I you try. succeed. The one of the nine. <laughs> I love that shirt. I love that shirt. Anyway, Craig, where can people follow you? Uh, they can follow me and uh, wish and send belated birthday wishes if they like on Facebook, yes. uh, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagans. C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. So my birthday's next week, and I think we're going to hire somebody to just reply to all the birthday wishes on Facebook. Like, he's he can't answer yet. He's banned for six more days. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at DanLaw83. All social media platforms at DanLaw83. Uh, on your smartphone, on all your podcast app, iTunes, Google Podcasts. It's not iTunes. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Type in the HIC Talk Radio Network. And like, share, subscribe, make a review, write a review, do five stars. Don't do one. Yes. Tell all your friends. Yeah. See you next week. In in spirit. And, no, no. Well, we'll be there. You won't know. I'm going to wear the same shirt next week, Craig. How about you? You know what? I would think about doing a wardrobe change, but I like this look and it feels good on me. So I'm going to keep it. Yes. Uh, we're going to wash these clothes and we're going to be the exact same. Hey, everything's. I'm going to come back preserved next week perfectly. Another year older. Good night, everyone.